Good morning. Alex and friends, I'm Connie. Today is Thursday, August 17th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. A scorcher on deck. Riverside is set to hit a blistering high of 100.9 degrees today, with temperatures expected to dip to a low of 75.1 come evening. Now, for a glimpse at today's headlines. We'll be delving into the latest update in the Trump election scheme case, where a Georgia prosecutor is vying for a March trial date involving the former president and 18 others. In Paradise, preparations are underway for the five-year anniversary of the devastating campfire. The town is bolstering its defenses with new warning sirens. We'll shed light on that. The cosmos is stirring up a frenzy with an intriguing snapshot. The James Webb Space Telescope has captured a stunning image of stars in formation, and it's generating speculation of alien existence. Lastly, supermarket saga, budget grocery chain Aldi is ready to bulk up its presence stateside with plans to acquire 400 Winn-Dixie and Harvey supermarket stores. Stay tuned as we unfold these stories on Alex's News. We now turn our attention to an ongoing legal drama involving former President Donald Trump. Georgia prosecutor Fonnie Willis is actively seeking to set a trial date in March for Trump and 18 others indicted. The case involves claims of a scheme designed to overturn the results of the 2020 election. To delve further into this, we're joined by reporter Elias. Elias, could you brief us on why a March trial is significant? Certainly, Connie. The proposed trial date is set for March 4th, which is just a day before Super Tuesday occurs. This is a momentous day in election years, for it's when the most delegates are at stake in the primary contest to decide the next Republican presidential nominee. So this trial, if it happens as scheduled, could shape the narrative around the primary contest. Could you illuminate us on what crimes are these defendants accused of? Yes, according to indictments, the defendants are accused of committing various crimes as part of a scheme to keep Donald Trump in power after his loss to Democrat Joe Biden. This action occurred after the 2020 presidential election. Key elements involve potential manipulative moves aimed at overturning the election results. What are the potential implications for the defendants and specifically Donald Trump? Depending on how the case proceeds and concludes, Trump and other defendants could face severe legal consequences if convicted. Also, with Trump's legal team in Georgia yet to respond to the proposed trial date, there's a likelihood that the defendants' lawyers may challenge the indictment and even attempt to move the case from state to federal court. All these legal proceedings could affect Trump's current political positions and ambitions. How does this trial tie into Trump's existing legal battles? This trial would heap more legal woes on Trump, who is already facing a separate trial in New York for the alleged falsification of business records. Additionally, he faces a federal case over his efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. The situation in Georgia only intensifies the legal spotlight trained on him. Could you tell us more about the prosecutor's plans for the trial, Elias? Certainly, Connie. Prosecutor Willis has proposed arraignments for the defendants to take place the week of September 5th. The proposed scheduling order also brings to light other deadlines for the case, catering to the process of discovery and the filing of motions. 
Now, in a related story, Elias, there's been news of a Texas woman accused of threatening to kill a judge handling a Trump election case. Can you tell us more about this? Yes, Connie. In an incident that underscores the tension and bitter divide surrounding these election-related legal battles, 56-year-old Deborah Brown was charged with making a terroristic threat. She allegedly left threatening voicemails at the offices of a judge and a congresswoman, making references to Trump and expressing anger about the election case. Disturbing news indeed. Thank you for the detailed report, Elias. We'll continue to follow these stories as they develop. Do stick around for our next story. Let's switch gears now to our second story for today. The small town of Paradise in Northern California is taking significant steps to improve its emergency systems. Grace, what can you tell us about this development? Yes, Connie. This comes as we approach the five-year anniversary of the deadly campfire that wreaked havoc on the small community, claiming 85 lives. After previous emergency systems failed during that wildfire, residents stressed the need for a more reliable system. As a result, the town began the installation and testing of warning sirens this summer. So this is essentially a reaction to the past tragedy. What exactly is unique about these sirens, Grace? These sirens are designed to emit loud, high-low warning sounds, followed by evacuation instructions. There will eventually be 21 siren locations throughout the town. And an important point to note here, Connie, is the acknowledgement that in wildfires, power lines and cell towers often fail, making such an audible warning system crucial for keeping residents informed. That's definitely an important detail. What else is unique about this system? This siren system can be controlled manually, over the internet, or by satellite, featuring multiple backup power sources, including solar panels. They plan to continue testing these sirens monthly until they are confident the emergency situation has been mitigated. That's substantial in itself. But are there any other facets to the town's improved emergency system? Absolutely, Connie. The warning sirens are just part of the picture. Alongside this, they've also established mass cell notifications, an emergency call center, and even an AM radio station that broadcasts public safety information. It sounds like they're trying to ensure a multifaceted approach with their emergency systems. Should we expect to see a similar strategy adopted elsewhere? It's certainly possible. Similar deployments of warning sirens have been reported in other communities across California. The California Office of Emergency Services, however, does acknowledge that sirens may not be fully effective, particularly for people inside well-insulated homes and buildings. This underscores the necessity of a public outreach campaign alongside the activation of these systems to ensure that everyone is aware and prepared. Very true, Grace. On a separate note, where is this report coming from? The news is actually being covered by multiple outlets. KRDO reports on the town's push to strengthen its emergency systems and gives specific details of the siren's installation and testing. The Hill covers the significance of such warning systems in the context of increasing wildfires and their implementation in other Californian communities. The Associated Press provides an insightful background concerning the deadly 2018 wildfire and the subsequent improvements being adopted across the state following the residents' urgent need for warning sirens. Wow, a comprehensive approach indeed. Thank you for walking us through these crucial developments in paradise, Grace. My pleasure, Connie.
As our third story today, we're traveling beyond the Earth's atmosphere, into the world of space and celestial bodies. Fresh from the lens of the James Webb Space Telescope comes a fascinating image of a question mark-shaped structure at the bottom of the frame. This has sent wave after wave of intrigue rippling through viewers around the world and spurred on all sorts of speculation. Helping us explain this thrilling story and put an end to some wild theories is Ethan, who specializes in astrophysical phenomenons. Welcome, Ethan. Thanks for having me, Connie. You're absolutely right about the speculation. This mysterious structure, formed by actively maturing stars known as Herbig Haro 4647, took social media by storm, with users jokingly theorizing it's a sign of extraterrestrial life. So, what do scientists make of all this commotion? Well, they're not buying into the alien theories. Instead, scientists explain this distinct structure as a likely result of a fairly common celestial phenomenon in our universe known as galaxy mergers, where two or more galaxies collide and blend together. So this question mark shape is essentially an optical illusion? Exactly, Connie. The perspective and angle at which these merging galaxies are viewed likely create this distinctive shape. It's essentially a play of projections and a unique opportunity to analyze the formation of stars and the evolutionary process of galaxies. Incredible. How did we come to learn about this, Ethan? It started with a comprehensive report from NPR, which highlighted the splendid image composed of various infrared captures. And it's worth noting that the James Webb Space Telescope, a remarkable venture between NASA, ESA, and the Canadian Space Agency, made this breakthrough observation possible. You mentioned Herbig Haro stars earlier. What's unique about these stars? Herbig Haro stars are particularly fascinating. SciTech Daily delved insightfully into this, explaining the tightly bound stars are surrounded by a disk of gas and dust that continually adds to their mass. This combination along with their energetic emissions forms a dusty blue nebula. Researchers can analyze this high-resolution near-infrared image to better understand their behavior and history. Isn't it rather unusual to see a question mark-shaped structure? Or have I missed something in my limited knowledge of space? It's quite the catch, Connie. The Universal News Network noted that such configurations are unprecedented, though we have seen similar shapes in other galaxies as well. These unique structures highlight the variable nature of galaxy mergers, but scientists stress the need for additional data, like spectroscopic analysis, to truly unearth the mysteries of these cosmic patterns. Emphasizing how much more there is for us to learn about the universe. As always, Ethan, you've brought some much-needed clarity in an area filled with intricate complexities. Thank you for sharing your expertise on this fascinating story. Always a pleasure, Connie. It's wonderful how much intrigue the cosmos still holds for us. Shifting to some grocery industry news now, German discount supermarket chain, Aldi just announced plans to increase its footprint in the United States significantly. Aldi plans to take over approximately 400 Winn-Dixie and Harvey's supermarket locations. To delve deeper into this news on our fourth segment, we have Chloe with us. Yes, Connie. The grocery industry is about to witness a major shift. Aldi, which is known for its unique high-yield, low-cost model, has decided to acquire these 400 stores, primarily situated in southeastern states including Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, and Mississippi. This acquisition is part of Aldi's strategic expansion plan in the United States, in line with their goal of running about 2,400 stores by the end of this year. 
So, it seems like this isn't a simple case of Aldi planning to spread its own model further into the southeast. How does Winn-Dixie and Harvey's play into Aldi's plans? Exactly, Connie. Aldi is known for its limited selection, self-bagging format, which allows them to minimize costs. However, this is a unique situation. Aldi plans on converting some Winn-Dixie and Harvey's locations to its own format, while others will continue to function under their original brand. It shows Aldi's willingness to experiment and adapt to formats beyond its low-cost model. Aldi's CEO, Jason Hart, has confirmed they'll decide the fate of individual stores based on the specific neighborhoods they're serving. What could this mean for their competition? This acquisition could certainly shake up competition. Consumers are increasingly looking to big-box stores like Walmart, and the grocery industry is currently witnessing wider consolidation. Aldi could well position itself as an attractive alternative for customers with its offering of both low-cost and traditional supermarket shopping experiences. This is rather intriguing. The news also mentioned something about the acquisition involving Southeastern Grocers, Inc. Yes, Southeastern Grocers, Inc., also known as SEG, is the parent company of Winn-Dixie and Harvey's. Alongside taking over the stores, Aldi is also acquiring all outstanding shares of SEG through an all-cash transaction. This was approved by the majority of SEG's shareholders, although the financial terms of the deal haven't been made public. What else can we expect from Aldi this year? Aldi isn't stopping at this acquisition. In addition to integrating these 400 stores, they plan to open 120 new stores nationwide in 2023. This will bring their total to over 2,400 locations, underlining their commitment to American customers and reinforcing their long-term growth strategy in the U.S. Thank you so much, Chloe, for providing us with such in-depth insights into Aldi's ambitious expansion strategy in the United States. We will certainly keep an eye on the developments in this space. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, Eleven Labs, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.